Hi, Merry Christmas. Thanks for tuning in to our Christmas Eve edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, which is an open-end affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ. This Christmas Eve, I will only be podcasting the sermon, and the title of it is Refusing Joy. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you and yours have a blessed holiday season. Christmas is a time of celebration, and part of the festive uh, fun is food. Our Thanksgiving to Christmas consumption of goodies can easily lead to uh, a few extra pounds and a resolution to start the new year, maybe with a diet. Well, there's nothing wrong with dropping any excess holiday weight. But in our culture, eating healthy, if not dieting, has become an important value. Kale, quinoa, or quinoa, people, and arugula, which in London is rocket. These, are, these were previously ignored 20 years ago. Arugula, kale, they're now praised. This is what you want. And this approach to health has benefits. But... Without a steady regimen of aerobic exercise, you may be easing the load while slowly killing yourself. Killing yourself, that is, with stress. You do realize, writes a counter-cultural commentator named Philip Lefebvre, that if you stand in front of the pastry case at the coffee shop and calculate calories in your head, trying to figure out if a chocolate chip cookie, that chocolate chip cookie, is going to show up on your hips. You're actually doing more damage to your heart from the stress than if you simply ate the darn cookie and allowed yourself to experience the joy of it, right? You do realize, he continued, that happiness and personal acceptance are hundreds of times better for you than stressful self-denial, right? Now, somebody said that refusing joy is nothing less than a form of blasphemy. Vanity kills, as does stressful self-denial. Happiness produces endorphins, which they keep you healthy. And even if laughter isn't the best medicine, would you rather live 10 years in a bowl of ice cream or 100 in a bag of rice cakes? Well, the truth of the matter is that you can eat right and take your supplements and get plenty of sleep and still get hit by a bus. Look out, looking out the window at your tragically broken body will be a bunch of less disciplined folks who didn't think twice about eating that chocolate chip cookie. So go ahead, relax, enjoy the holiday season. God has created a delicious world for us, and God wants us to experience joy. It's not like, stress to the world, the Lord has come. It's not like the archangel burst upon the shepherds and said, Fear not, for today I bring you tidings of great stress, which shall be to all the people. And that's usually the way it works. When we're stressed, we bring stress to all people. Husband, wife, partner, children, the family, pet, friends, and co-workers. But instead, the good news was, I bring you tidings of great joy that will be for all people. 
Well, let's rewind the tape and go back to the beginning of this story. Luke tells us that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin named Mary, engaged to a man, Joseph. And as Mandy read, the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. So this greeting contains an assurance of divine favor and power and presence, and it's meant to inspire joy. But Mary is much perplexed by his words, as any of us would be, and she ponders what sort of greeting this might be. As one of my now late clergy colleagues famously, at least in my mind, said to me when the archangel Gabriel came upon Mary and said this to her, in her mind, knowing the history of what people in the Bible who had been blessed by God, what they went on to experience, she probably said, oh, no. So you can just imagine her standing in front of the pastry case at some divine coffee shop, wondering what to think, what to feel, what to do. She is no doubt suffering some serious stress. Do not be afraid, Mary, says the angel, for you have found favor with God. The angel goes on to predict that she will bear a son named Jesus, one who will be great, the son of the Most High, the heir of David, and the ruler of an everlasting kingdom. The child will be conceived by the Holy Spirit, explains Gabriel, and he will be born a holy child, nothing less than the one and only Son of God. Since Mary's relative Elizabeth has already conceived in her old age, confounding everyone's expectations, it's suddenly quite clear that nothing is impossible with God. What an offer. What an opportunity. What a stressful situation. The angel is giving Mary a shot at incredible joy, the chance to be the mother of Jesus. How big is that? And yet, this opportunity brings with it the frightening thought that Mary will soon be visibly pregnant, carrying more weight than would come from eating a case full of baklava. And aside from the damage to her figure, it will be the damage to her reputation. What will people say? about a young woman becoming pregnant before her wedding day in those days. We know Joseph was planning to end the engagement. Bill read us that passage from Matthew. And according to the law, she could be punished in a humiliating way. It is anything but easy for Mary to agree to this offer presented by Gabriel. But she says, yes. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, proclaims Mary, let it be with me according to your word. She accepts the angel's offer, takes a big bite of the opportunity put before her, and does not fall into the trap of stressing out and refusing joy. Refusing joy, what a phrase. We're so stressed sometimes by trying to live right, eat right, act right, speak right, parent right, exercise right, retire right, look right, that we can forget and often have forgotten the joy of Jesus. Think of the many solid reasons that Mary could give for saying no to Gabriel. We just listed some of them. It's not the right time. It's not the right family system. It's not the right plan for the future. Not me. And yet she says, here am I. Let it be in spite of all the seemingly solid and logical reasons 
to show some self-control and say, no, she does not want to be guilty of refusing joy. She, does not, she doesn't want to be found guilty of refusing joy. Well, how about you and me? Have you and I left the joy behind as we observe the birth of Christ? Do we feel pressured to practice self-denial as we face the dessert table at a holiday party? Are we sensing that there is something not right about loosening up and simply having a good time eating some really delicious food? Have we lost the ability to happily chow down with no thought of calories, carcinogens, fat grams, carbs, hydrogenated corn syrup, or GMOs? But true Christmas, not to speak of Christian joy, but Christmas joy is not about eating cream puffs without guilt. The joy we refuse more frequently has nothing to do with food. The happiness we so often ignore and happiness is not the same as joy. The happiness we so often ignore is spiritual, not physical. It involves believing, not binging. The joy that we can be guilty of leaving behind is the joy that comes from opening our hearts to the presence of Christ. The joy that we can be guilty of leaving behind is the joy that comes from letting God bless us. The joy that we can be guilty of leaving behind or refusing is the joy that comes from entrusting ourselves to God's care. That's what Mary did, after all. And that's what saved her from the mistake of leaving the joy of the Lord behind. Moving to Christian joy and not only Christmas joy, a week ago, Peggy McCoy, as she lit the candle of joy, uh, told us that there is also the sacred joy which comes from knowing that we are part of a long line of Christians actively invested and involved in loving our neighbor and working for the common good. There is joy, recognizing oneself as sharing the values and practices listed in the Be the Church banner, which usually hangs from there, but now is hanging down the stairwell, down to the east exit and entrance. It's the United Church of Christ banner. That's another kind of joy that we don't want to refuse. And it's not about Christmas necessarily. So we know that Christmas, yes, it's more than an opportunity to eat and celebrate and exchange gifts. It is also a chance to approach Jesus with a desire to be filled and with an expectation of fulfillment. In a sense, we should come to Christ in the same way that kids come to the dinner table. They come because they're hungry, not because they feel a social obligation. They come with anticipation, expecting something good to be waiting for them. They come with trust, believing that the food will be nutritious. They come without worries about calories and additives. They come expecting to be filled, to be strengthened, to be satisfied, and to be nourished. Well, you and I can approach Jesus in the very same way. Any other path could leave the joy behind. Let me tell you a story. 
A Lutheran named David Miller remembers kneeling in his pew after returning from communion. Lost in a haze, he focused not on the Christmas holiday or the sacrament, but on his fears about what the next few days would bring. He tried to pray through his distress. As the choir sang of Mary, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with thee. But his thoughts connected only with his anxiety. Well, giving up his failed attempt at prayer, he listened to the choir, trying to catch his daughter's voice. Is that as the soprano descant soared above the choir, surprising tears appeared in his eyes. They were not helpless tears of self-pity, those he would have expected. It was not sadness that he felt, but a joy and a gratitude that it flowed from a mysterious world deeper and more wondrous than the one his troubled mind inhabited. David felt transported to another time and place, when one where sadness and anxiety had no place. They had evaporated like this morning's fog. And a voice within him spoke to his fears. The Lord said to him, it doesn't all depend on you. I am here. What a gift. David came to God with a deep hunger, and he was satisfied. He came needing nourishment, and he was filled. He allowed himself to be drawn out of the world of his fears, a world that he describes as being limited by his shallow insights and minuscule skills and all too human weaknesses. A sense of well-being washed over him, and he knew that the voice spoke the truth. He had no doubt that this joy was a pure gift. He had done nothing to produce it or to define it or to control it, but it was there. Do not fear, the Lord said to him lovingly. I will not fail you. Don't you know by now how much I treasure you? In the middle of our stressful lives, God wants us to experience joy. He wants us to know that God favors us, that God treasures us, and that God will not fail us. God sends Jesus to remind us that God is with us always in the very center of the pains and problems of human life. Emmanuel, through the very messy birth of Jesus, the incarnation, not a pretty thing, and yet how symbolic of Christ entering our lives, which can be so stressful and so muddy. May we, may you and I, and St. Peter's, accept this gift from God as Mary did and as David Miller did. It is a joy that should never be refused. And it's always offered. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Christmas Eve podcast of the Red-Headed Preacher from St. Peter's United Church of Christ. I hope you and yours who listen during these 12 days of Christmas, have a great 12 days of Christmas. And whenever you listen, wherever you are, may you know that the love of God is around you, even if you aren't particularly feeling it. God bless you.
The next homily will be brought to you from January 5th, 2020, because I was unable to set up recording arrangements for our guest preacher on December 29th. My apologies for that, and thanks once so much for tuning in this year. Amen. <laughs>